Welcome and join me today on the Hi Hello Sura Show, where I decode and deconstruct the stories, secrets, and skills of the creators of our time. If you are looking to challenge the status quo and get new perspectives, join me as I share with you practical advice that you can use to impact your life and help those around you today. Hey there, and welcome to the Hi Hello Sura Show. I'm your host, Sura al Lamy. Today on this episode, we are joined by Andrew Griffiths. Andrew is the Director of Community and Partnerships for Planet Mark. Planet Mark is a sustainability certification that supports organizations and real estate to measure and continually reduce carbon emissions and increase their social impact. Well, Andrew, welcome to the show. Andrew, I'm really excited for you to share with us um, what, what did you call it? Myth busting or jargon busting? Carbon jargon. Carbon jargon. All right. Uh, and so you're, what, what role at Planet Mark do you have? Just so I can introduce you. As Director of Community and Partnerships. Well, Andrew, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> well, Andrew, you have taken on this very exciting role at Planet Mark. And um, we're going to do a lot of jargon busting in just a moment. But before we get into that, for our listeners, can you share with them what is Planet Mark and uh, what, what got you so excited to join this organization? Because I know you have so many, um, so many things going on prior to that, but this is the thing that you really wanted to focus on and that you're really passionate about. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was sort of in the orbit of the planet Mark for a couple of years before I joined it. I was, I was just a big fan, kept on rocking up at events and stuff. But genuinely, there are, there are team photos from the end of events that have been in them from about two years before I actually became uh, a member of the team. So, you know, fundamentally, I, I'm, a, I'm a passionate, <laughs> I'm very passionate about sustainability is, is the first and foremost. And so I was looking for a home in which I could have the biggest possible impact within the world of sustainability and planet mark very much, uh, embodies that for me, you know, it's so at our core, we're a, a certification. So we certify organizations and real estate projects for carbon reduction and the creation of social value. So what that looks like is we have sort of a bit of a three pillar process, um, measure because you can't manage what you don't measure. You've got to start by understanding where you are. Um, and then we have engage and communicate. And so we have a dedicated engagement team whose reason for being is, is to support our members with helping them get to grips with how are they going to reduce their carbon because they commit, you know, planet marks a mark of progress. You have to be reducing your carbon for a year on year. So we have to support our members to do that. Um, we support over 600 organizations all over the world, um, from, you know, little toy shops on high streets to nursery schools, to big corporates like Volvo, uh, and, uh, you know, charities like the Eden project, we, we really touch every sector. Um, so the opportunity to have impact at scale in a really exciting, um, space with a really amazing team of, of passionate people who care about what we do, um, it's been a, a huge privilege and opportunity over the past couple of years. That's amazing. I love that you're that you were there in team pictures. It was a sign. <laughs> they should have. Yeah, I did. I didn't even have an agenda at the time. Actually, I just liked them. So I, I, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, trying to, to make. You know, it was one of these. I've always been an opportunist, and I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy networking. So it was one where 
I was just a fan of what they were doing. So I kept in touch and kept up with what they were, were doing. And eventually I had the opportunity to get involved. That sounds amazing. And so um, I know that this area uh, can be really complex and people can get really confused. And it feels like you are really simplifying that for individuals. So what are the common misconceptions? You, you called it jargon busting. And what is it that we should kind of be aware of as we as we move through and, and consider um, our role and, you know, our right to be? Yeah. Course. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there, right? There's so much lingo that gets thrown around where, you know, there's net zero, carbon neutral, carbon negative, climate positive, scopes of emissions. Um, you know, what, you know, what, what, when we say carbon emissions, what the heck do we mean? What about methane and nitrous oxides? And you really have to cut to the core of, okay, right, what does this all mean? Because it can get quite overwhelming for people. So it's often quite new to, to people. They've not necessarily got this question before. And there's often some real fundamental things to sort of help people get to grips with. So first and foremost is, you know, when, when you hear someone like me say carbon and carbon footprint, carbon emissions, what I am usually talking about is all greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we use in the industry, we use something called carbon dioxide equivalent. You see it written down as CO2E. And what that does is it actually it, it, it is a summary of all of the greenhouse gases involved in your emissions because, um, you know, human beings, we're rubbish at doing too much with too many figures, variables. We want to have one nice summarized figure. And so the way we do that is that we have something called the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, which is developed by scientists around the world, which basically says this much of this type of um, greenhouse gas, take methane. So one ton of methane in the atmosphere is the equivalent to 25 tons of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere in terms of how much it warms up the planet. And the way they calculate that is basically how long does it stay in the atmosphere for and how much of a warming effect does it have? How thick a blanket is it while it's there? And so we summarize that. It's one lovely figure, which is carbon dioxide equivalent. So that's, that's what we, when we say carbon footprint, that's what we mean. We are talking about all the Then we get onto the scopes of emissions and that can sound kind of daunting. Um, but you don't actually have to know all of it, but it's very useful to understand the difference between three, the three categories, so scope one, scope two, scope three, right? Scope one, very simply, is the fuel that you burn. So if you have a petrol or diesel car, if you have a gas or oil heating system, you know, if you're burning the fuel, you are directly emitting those things into the atmosphere. If you have a wood fire, that is scope one emission, burning the fuel, creating the emissions, right? well within your control. Scope two is the energy that you use. So uh, you're not necessarily the one producing your electricity, but someone is burning coal or you know gas or something to create that electricity. Ideally, it's coming through renewable sources more and more, but historically, you know, someone else is burning something that's giving you your energy. So that's your scope two emission is the energy that you use. So for most people and businesses, scopes one and two are your utility built and your vehicles if you own it, right? Very straightforward. Scope three, everything else. <laughs> Scope three is upstream, it's downstream. You've got, you know, you've got everything from easier things like business travel and employee commuting and waste to much more tricky things to get your head around, like your pensions and investments. Um, how you, where you, what stuff you buy and who from, how your products are used by your customers. 
These things all fall in scope. There's 15 different categories of scope three. Now you don't need to know all the detail there. Um, but the thing that's really important to recognize is that when you hear people making claims, if I came to you now and I said, I am the holiest of holies, I am the sustainable of sustainables, and I am, uh, I then revealed <laughs> that all I had measured to justify my claims was my utility bills and my car if I owned one. Right. And I'd left out the food I eat, the places I travel, the products that I buy. Um, I could be jetting around the globe on a daily basis and I'm not including that in my measurement. And so what's important to note is that understanding what people are measuring as part of their claims is really critical and becomes very, very critical when you turn to terms like carbon neutral and net zero because there's a big difference between the minimum threshold of what you're allowed to claim as carbon neutral and what you're allowed to claim as net zero. Does that make sense all so far? It does make sense, but what comes to my mind is I, I, I'm sort of understanding why an organization like yours uh, is so helpful and so valuable because I feel like this could be very daunting for an organization, um, you know, to know all the mechanisms and, uh, you know, what do they say? A confused mind says no. Yes. Right? And yeah. so um, I think the way that um, to, to be able to simplify it and my, I, I would imagine that as you work with individuals, you're, you're creating that like empowerment for them, mm. you know, and education, but it's a very sort of, in a way, a, like an incremental process, you know, depending yeah. on where they are yeah. learning, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. I mean, you've, you've got to get by it, right? And, you know, we start with the measurement piece because what you then get equipped with, right, is that you then get, um, you know, a whole report. But one of the things in that report is a lovely big pie chart. And that pie chart shows you what, <laughs> and I love the pie chart. Love pie chart. Basically shows you what proportion of your emissions are coming from different areas. What proportion of your emissions are coming from your utility bills, from your right. electricity or from your, you know, your, your gas, right? What proportion is coming from your travel and how you how you move people around, how, how you do business travel and stuff. What proportion is coming from your waste? What proportion is coming from water consumption? Different industries have very different needs. If we're talking to a farm or a, a garden center, they can have a very different looking pie chart to a law firm. Right. And so what that pie chart does is it gives you your low hanging fruit because you make, you know, where are you going to start finding the greatest gains, the greatest cost saving opportunities, the greatest carbon saving opportunities, which are usually the same thing, you know? The, the, the cheapest uh, units of energy is the unit that you don't use. <laughs> so, so, you know, if, if you can equip yourself and go, oh, hang on, do I want to start with the thing that is 3% of my carbon footprint and come up with a whole strategy around how to reduce that? Or shall I start with a bit that's about 60% of my carbon footprint? Where am I going to find the gains? And so it helps you be more tactical. And then, it, then you can bring in, the team and you can get, so we do with every single one of our members, we do uh, an annual energizer session right after they get their reports. We do an energizer. So one hour session, with all of their team, as much of their team as, as we can get along to get them excited. You know, this is what this means. Here's your carbon footprint. And this is what it means to you as an organization. And let's start coming up with some ideas. What can you do in your role to help move that needle in the coming year? What can, what, what, you know, really equipping them and empowering them, empowering, I think is 
key word here. You've got to empower people to feel like they can make a difference. And then you measure each year and you show them that they're making a difference. And that's when you start seeing you know, huge shifts where, you know, so our members, like, you know, sign up, we've been going for nearly 10 years. Um, 2019, pre-COVID, our members reduced their absolute carbon emissions year on year by 12%, which is substantial. <laughs> and then, you know, COVID hit and things go a bit doolally for a while. So we, we uh, 2020, it was a 24.5% reduction <laughs> uh, year on year. On average, this is across you know, hundreds and hundreds of companies. So um, the point is, it is possible to make substantial progress on sustainability in a relatively short space of time that really then starts to feed this desire of the teams to go, oh, wow, we did so well last year. What are we going to do now? How, how do we move this forward? And then the critical component that I sort of did mention on the end of it, so that's, that's the engaged step, is doing workshops with people, helping them do employee engagement, supply chain engagement, engaging with investors, engaging with customers. How do we get people engaged? And then we have our communicate strand, which is we have a dedicated member communications team separate from our marketing team. And their whole reason for being is just to help our members talk about what they're doing authentically incredible. Because when you do something that's really good, or you learn a lesson because something didn't go as well as you wanted right. to, the impact that you can have tenfold, twentyfold, if you tell other people about it, <laughs> it, it just it magnifies your impact so much more because now other people will learn the lessons that you've learned faster than you did. You help other people on their own journey. So that's that's our sort of three-pillar process to really help, you know, guide people along that journey in a continuous cycle. I love that so much. I love it. So we start with the, uh, hey, where are we at? <laughs> you know, uh, and we get to our baseline. Chart. You've got to understand yeah. where are we? You know? Yeah, we get to our, and we get to our pie chart. Um, and what I love about it is you're taking in all these different inputs uh, and then you're able to express it for them versus them having to figure it out because it, it, mm. it is very complicated, you know, but you've, as you've mentioned, you're, you've dedicated all this expertise and, and you're continuing to update, right? Uh, oh, hundred percent. And, and I mean, one of the, another one of the most significant things we've done, you know, we realized a, bit, a big part of me coming on board was, and our community side of things, you know, yeah. big, big part of my, my role is actually recognizing one of the most impactful things that we can do for our members is to simply get out of the way. <laughs> it, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, we've created a community platform for our members where they can interact with each other. Because if they have a question about, um, you know, I want to install solar panels on the roof of my factory, how yeah. much will it cost? What's the return on investment? What's my payback period going to be? What challenges am I going to face with planning missions or whatever? I don't know. Um, what what yeah yeah they can come to us and they can ask their question and our teams will be able to give them some guidance and feedback and thoughts but actually if they can post that in a community platform with a whole with hundreds of organizations many of whom will have been there done that got the t-shirt or whatever their query is right they're going to get five different answers from five different companies with five different experiences that all helps inform their approach and it's much more convincing as an internal business case if you can go hey i want to finance a project to put solar panels on the roof of our factory. And here's the return on investment and payback periods of five other companies who have done it. 
there's my business case. Thank you very much. Rather than simply, oh, well, our sustainability partners told us it would be a good idea. Of course we did. But and if you're hearing from other businesses who've done it, it benefits it, it's much, much more persuasive. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like the being able to learn from peers uh, across industry as well as in similar industries is really fundamental. And yeah. one of the other things that you said was really important, uh, just if we're focusing on one organization, is building out that team. Um, that green team. Can you talk a little bit more about why that's important and why that yeah. is, uh, you know, much more exciting than um, having a solo voice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, a green team is one of the one of the most impactful things that that uh, a business can do in the early early days of trying to figure figure some stuff out. Because the the fact is, sustainability is something that you will find no end to the passion of of your teams or, you know, there will be people in your team. You have no idea how passionate they are about this, um, at home, in their own life. They might not be in a role that's relevant to it, but within your oh. organization, but there are, there are passionate people. And, um, so it can either be top down. I, you know, the leaders of a business can go out and look to create one, or it can be bottom up. Um, and it can be really empowering for someone who's quite junior within a company to actually just go out and ask if there are other people who are passionate about it, put something out on like the you know, Microsoft Teams or something going, hey, would anyone else be interested in having a conversation about what we could do to try and be more sustainable? And you'll get a whole group of people going, yeah, yeah, I'll be up for that. I'll be, you know, and then you form a group of you. And once that sort of group is established, you can share ideas. Different people have different experiences. But critically, you can take ideas as a collective. Now, no matter the size of organization you're working at, if you're working in a massive corporate or if you're working in a smaller company, you know, the power of a group of five, 10, 15 employees coming forward and saying, Hey, you know, we think we should improve the way we recycle. Uh, and we've come up with this idea. Can we take this forward? Can we take this forward? We're willing to invest our time and energy. It's, it's we really want to take this forward. Um, but we need your support. We need this money. We need this, you know, yes on a decision or whatever. Um, it's, it's, very, it's much more powerful coming from a group than from just one individual. So a green team is a powerful thing. So to give a tangible example, um, we have, uh, one of our members, Squires Garden Centers. They're a, they're a chain of garden centers in the UK and they, um, set up, uh, green teams where they, they put out a call. They said, we want to bring together a green team. We want to have one green champion in each one of our, uh, garden centers, put yourselves forward. And they were overwhelmed with the level of interest right. they had in the green champion role for each one. And then they, you know, went through a process of choosing who was going to, you know, be the lead for each center. And then they said, they made about somebody saying, okay, now that's your person. Go to them with ideas for what you think that we could be doing better. And in each garden center, the green champion was deluged with suggestions on here's how we could reduce our water consumption. Here's how we could, you know, do better on the energy. We could do this here. We need to get LED lights in there. We need to, it's just deluged. Wow. And the, the amount of ideas that they drew in, that these are ideas that, you know, we all know if anyone's been involved in consultancy, most of the ideas for what to do to improve, if not all of them, are already in the business. Actually, what consultants do a lot of the time is simply draw out the existing ideas that lots of the team already have, they just haven't brought them out to light 
for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you give people a conduit to say, here's where you can share your ideas and you demonstrate to them that you're going to take it seriously and you're actually going to take these forward, you'd be amazed at what can happen in, in what space, you know, a very short space of time. Yes, and, and you're sort of like, it sounds like you're like harnessing the energy that's already there and you're just like, you're creating like that focus for action, you know, by creating these teams and those points of contact. Um, and you mentioned, I mean, this this was um, the, a gardening organization, but you've worked, you know, with law firms, you've worked across industries and it, it's yeah. that same, uh, the same sentiment, right? Same principle everywhere you go. You know, this is something where, you know, sustainability is a real uniting force, really, because it touches all of us. Right. It, it touches every industry. It touches every team in every business. This is, you know, the, the, the department that this is most akin to is, is really finance. Every team has a budget. Every team has uh, targets and has, you know, things that they're working towards that involve finances, right? Sustainability is the same sort of thing, except we care a lot more about it most of the time. Budgets are annoying, but this is something people actually care about, get passionate about. And when people realize the impact they can have through work, you know, the average carbon footprint um, sort of of, of an, per, an individual person worldwide is about 12 tons. Uh, no, sorry, 12 tons to you again, seven tons worldwide. So the average is seven tons, right? Much, much smaller in developing countries in the global south. Um, and much higher in others like America is, I think, still top for per capita um, tonnage. What a um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know the the uh, but if if I look at my own life and let's say I've, I've got a carbon footprint of seven tons, yeah, I can take action in my life. You know, I can you know I can make sure I'm using renewable energy. I can put my pension in a good place. I can um, eat less meat. I can recycle, I can, I can have LED lighting and I can insulate my home. There's lots of things I can do, but I'm probably only going to be saving worldwide the planet a few tons of carbon dioxide a year, right? But if I go into my office and actually, A, I can influence other people, I can encourage other people on their journeys, and now my impact is magnified however many fold. But if I, you know, we had a great presentation from another one of our members, Stephen Georgian Partners, who are an architect's firm. And he, you know, one of their team, uh, Simon, worked out, he's got a great slide that goes with this, where he's like, here's my little cube of me. That's my seven tons. I managed to reduce by three tons by doing all of this stuff. Then I measured the, uh, the carbon footprint of my team, just the our part of the office in the building that we're in and the footprint that we have as a, as a team. And it's like 10 times the size. And then he goes, oh, and then I looked at the um, comfort of the projects that my team works on. We build houses. And the projects that my team works on is now this whopping big cube of, oh, if we make an impact and reduce the carbon emissions of these houses, oh, massive impact. And then he went, okay, and here's the comfort of the entire sort of all of the asset classes that all of the different teams across the George Parks work upon. And it, and literally it's this cube that took over the entire screen next to this tiny little cube that was yeah. him. And he's going, you know, I can, you know, I can reduce my own footprint by three tons. I'm going to do that. I, yeah. He feels good about that, but I can shave 700 tons off of a big development. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. The impact I can have is so much greater. So it's empowering people to realize that through their working lives, through the work they do in communities, if they're engaged in the local area as counselors or politicians or whatever, the impact that you can have through engaging in community is is huge. I love that because it's like an exponential ability to have impact. Uh, that's really really powerful. So when we think about um, these organizations, let's say they're, they're interested, um, they're peaked, uh, you know, what, what are some, what, like, what are two things that you'd be like, okay, like this is like, these are your next steps to get going. Uh, and, and it might just be, hey, get in touch with your organization. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, that goes without saying, but the, no, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, where the low-hanging fruit tend to lie, right, is um, first and foremost, if you are on a renewable energy provider already, do it. You'll probably save money. Right. <laughs> All right. Like, just, yeah, yeah, get, get, you know, that's one of the fastest things that you can do that will have a big impact straight away. Second is looking at where your money is because the bank that you use as an individual or as a business um, and who uses your pension provider has a disproportionate impact. So much so that on an individual personal level, I could become a vegan. I could have no car. I could take no flights at all. I could recycle everything that I use. And it would still be 10 times more impact along my carbon footprint to shift my pension away from fossil fuels. Right. So if you're in with a generic pension plan, you're probably investing in fossil fuels and more tobacco, warfare. It's just, it's just sort of a guarantee. There's a fantastic campaign called Make My Money Matter that was started by Richard Curtis, who's the director of Love Actually. Mm. Um, and he started that campaign after seeing a TED talk, a phenomenal TED talk uh, that you can look up. It was by a doctor. She, um, she was a surgeon, surgeon, and she was a sort of throat and throat, mouth, nose surgeon. So she spent most of her, time, her, her career operating on tumors and, and helping people with throat, nose, mouth tumors. And, uh, you know, she felt pretty good about it. And, on the off chance, her hospital that she happens to be working in, she's years and years and years into her career at this point. She goes in, they, they just book her in for a financial advice session, free of charge. She's like, oh, you get to go in and ask. She's like, okay, I'll go along. She goes along and, and uh, she's like, okay, tell me about, you know, I, how am I doing? Is it all good? I presume my pension's doing quite well, but yeah, whatever. And they were like, yeah, yeah, well, do you know, did you want to, you know, uh, have a look at, you know, yeah, well, you, you're invested in this thing. It's, oh, so, um, okay, so out, out of interest, what, what am I invested in? What are the, well, you're invested in lots of things. You've got this whole it's spread across the market. Okay, so what are the top sort of five, 10 companies that my pension is in? And uh, it's, oh, well, and he gave her the top five. And four of the top five were tobacco companies. Wow. And, uh, you know, being a scientifically minded character, she went and worked out, she calculated based on, you know, she had a good sized pension surgeon. She'd been at it for years. She went and she worked out, but based on 
her investments into the tobacco industry. And because of the fatalities and right. you know, deaths, death rate of smokers that was caused by the smoking, she worked out that she had personally been responsible for killing more people than she had saved as a surgeon. Wow, that's so tragic and, right? and unknown. Yeah. And most of it, it's just, it's out of sight, out of mind. We just yeah. go with what our employer set us up on our pension. We're off, well, you know, so 401k, it's just, it's being dealt with. I don't need to think about it. Don't need to worry about it. But it matters hugely where your money is. And, and you will find, if you haven't looked at this before, you will find that your money is invested in things that you do not agree with. You will find that it is invested in uh, tobacco. You will find that it is invested in gambling. You will find that it is invested in weaponry and armed warfare. You will find that it is invested in oil and gas. You know, and it's not to say you know your personal views are your own on each of Absolutely. these things, right? But if you haven't looked, share. <laughs> and yeah. if you can move your money towards something that aligns more with your values, do it. The individual that you just spoke about is her name. Um, I just looked it up. Bronwyn King, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'll put those links in the show notes as well as the Make My Money Matter, as well as yeah. of course Planet Mark, as well as of course LinkedIn. <laughs> All of those will be in there. But that's really, um, Andrew. That's really startling because it's it's not something I would have considered. Um, no, it's, and it's, it's, it's it sits beneath the radar. So there's you know there's the practical action state, there's lots of things that you can do to save money. There's lots of things you can invest in around reducing your energy costs, reducing your cost of waste. I, you know, before getting into sustainability, I worked at an electronic company. Right. And one of the biggest bugbears of a lot of the staff was that we weren't recycling. And right. I heard it so many times from different people going, oh, it's so annoying we don't have recycling bins in the office. And I took it upon me. I was just like, I, I won't work for a company that doesn't recycle. I'm going to sort this out. And so I went to the facilities manager. I said, give me the last 12 months of bills for our waste. Mm. Show me how much we're spending on our waste that we're currently putting out. And I'm going to go and find you a better deal. And I'm very simply, I went out to a few waste providers. I gave them the stats that I got from those invoices in terms of the volume of waste that we had. And I said to them, could we save money by recycling? And they went, well, yeah, of course. Um, and we ended up, right. We ended up staying with the same waste management provider. We didn't change supplier, but simply because we started recycling, we went from a zero recycling model to 87% of our materials being directly recycled and the remaining 13% being used as waste to energy. So we burned and used to generate energy. So we became a zero landfill company. <laughs> overnight when the, when we shift, just check, just changed the products that we were on with our supplier mm. and they brought some more bids in. The total investment was about 150 pounds to get some new bins around the office. Right. Um, and, and yes, you know, little bits of signage and stuff. And we ended up saving a thousand pounds a month. Okay. That's direct to the bottom line. That's, that's 12,000 pounds a year gone straight onto your profit margin. Because now it's not a cost anymore. You, and the reason for that was because the, the waste management company can sell the recycling. So anything we recycled didn't cost us anything. 
they were free, free bins. But they were like, but if you're giving us like landfill waste, then yeah, it costs you. Like, of course it does. Mm. We have to pay to dispose of it. So you have to pay us to dispose of it. Whereas recycling, we can sell that off. That's an asset. That's a resource. So, you know, there's, there's huge, it's one of these things where sustainability just makes good business sense. Just, it's just logical. I love that because that, that really empowers an individual to kind of come at it from that angle if, um, you know, the straight up sustainability push is not um, persuasive, right? Uh, because depending on the organization that you work with, it can't, you know, mindset wise, it could be in a different place. Uh, yeah. So at all levels, it makes sense. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I was so grateful for, um, for you sharing. And uh, if somebody wants to find out more or wants to get in touch, what is the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn is, it tends to be where I'm personally most active. And then of course, uh, planetmark.com for, uh, you know, getting in touch and learning more about planetmark. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, and there's lots of resources and stuff that you'll find through planetmark. We've got a lot of toolkits that you can download free of charge on, uh, you know, how to set up a green team. We've got one, uh, on community, you know, sustainability champions. We've got one on basics, sort of beginner's guide to carbon footprinting, and we've got a whole array of new ones coming on how to reduce your energy, how to reduce your water, how to reduce your waste, all these toolkits. And we have free e-learning available through uh, Amazon. We'll be coming up, we're launching next week. So um, we'll collaborate with Amazon on a free e-learning series of videos called Net Zero, um, Net Zero Carbon Jargon Busting and stuff on uh, the Amazon Small Business Accelerator Program. Um, So... You can find all that through the Planet Park website or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I will put everything that we have described, URLs, ways to contact in the show notes. And listeners, I'd love to hear from you the value that you got from our conversation because your comments really inspire the future ones. Until next time, I am your host, Sarah Almini. 